What up, what up, homies? Welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast with the host, well, me, the host, Jeff Clark. I brought in college sports savant Grayson Weir to help me break down the 2023 Final Four, which is in an effing football stadium, Houston, Texan, uh, Houston Texas, NRG Stadium. That's where I, the Houston Texans definitely played. The Houston Cougars don't play there, do they? No, they don't. They have a stadium on campus. Weird venue for... An even weirder Final Four. This is the first Final Four without a three seed or lower in it, I think, ever. Um, Florida Atlantic made it to the Final Four, which no one, very few people had in their bracket. I think they were 800 to 1 entering the tournament, and they ended up winning the Eastern region. They were playing San Diego State. It was a five seed, won the South. Um, went through Alabama and Creighton and the Elite Eight. And then on the other side, there's Miami playing UConn. Uh, Miami's a five seed. UConn's a four seed. Miami beat Houston and Texas on route to a Midwest championship. Um, And UConn went through two WCC schools, St. Mary's, Gonzaga. They also beat up on Arkansas on route to a Western Regional Championship. Um, Grayson, let's talk about the first game first, obviously. Florida Atlantic are two or three point underdogs at uh, versus San Diego State. Excuse me. Totals one thirty one and a half. I have a few plays in this game. I know you have been playing a lot of first half unders in this tournament, and the under has been profitable in this tournament overall. Um, that's one of my bets. Any thoughts on the first half under here in this game? Or yeah, this I- game. I think the unders here, first and foremost, we were debating this with Dan last time. You keep using the word savant with me, which I appreciate. However, I'm going to go ahead and use the term sicko. I'm going to go college sports sicko um, just because savant might be uh, a little too dignified for me. Um, But yeah, so Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, this game is really interesting to me. Um, I think first half under, I, I am hopelessly addicted to first half unders at this point, but I'm actually probably not going to touch that number at 60, just because I don't know what Florida Atlantic is going to do. I think it's really interesting here because if you look at it on paper, San Diego state turns this into a rock fight as they have all tournament as they have all season and just slows down Florida Atlantic's offense out muscles them in the paint, out rebounds out defends and slows the pace. So while on paper, that first half under makes a lot of sense. And I think I'll probably end up taking it before the tip off tomorrow night on Saturday night, um, just because I am hopelessly addicted to them. But 60 doesn't seem like a, like a huge number there that stands out to me at at a first half under over under 60. I could see both teams scoring 31, 32 points. Um, So I'm a little hesitant on it. But I do think that the overall under at 131 and a half, um, I think you could play it really down to like 130. Um, I, I don't see either team going above 65 points in this game. So I, I would go overall. I'm going overall under at 135 and a half. I haven't hit the first half under yet, but staying with that trend, um, kind of the one off here, I really like San Diego State total team points under six and a, uh, 66 and a half. The only game where they've done they, – they haven't – in the vast majority of games this season, they have scored less than 65 points. Um, they obviously 
has not necessarily been the case in the tournament. They put 75 up against Furman and then 71 against Alabama because they had to. There was no other choice in that game. They made both games ugly, but both teams were scoring, and so did San Diego State to have to win. They had to score. They did not do that against Creighton. Creighton was one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country coming into that game, and they held them to 56 defensively, but San Diego State only scored 57 points. So I'm leaning towards total team points under 66.5. At minus 105, I think it's pretty solid value there. I think you could end up with you know, 60, 62 points, but I don't think it gets over 65. Um, but yeah, like you said, unders have been super profitable in this tournament so far. Um, so I don't think there's any reason to go ahead and, and fade that trend. And I think you should stick with unders pretty much across the board in this game because San Diego State just makes things ugly. It's what they do. Yeah, in this tournament, um, over or unders are cashing at a 62% rate. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know it was that significant. Yeah, yeah. The under has cashed 39 times and the over has cashed 24 times in the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah. And I don't see that changing here with Florida Atlantic, San Diego State. I think that that game is going to be pretty low scoring because Florida Atlantic hasn't really, I mean, don't get me wrong. They have proved themselves credit to Florida Atlantic. You know, they made an incredible run, but they haven't had to play anyone, you know, unbelievable. Their first couple Memphis, good. Yes. Great team. Fine. Um, Florida Fairleigh Dickinson, you know, was a 16 seed. Tennessee wasn't all that great. And, and their most, obviously, their most impressive win was against Kansas State uh, last weekend. However, um, they haven't played a defense like San Diego State in the tournament thus far. So I think there's a legitimate a legitimate chance that they could both get out to a slow start. Um, and I don't think that trend will, will pick up in the second half. Yeah, the San Diego State, is their defense is, is insane. And... They turn games into rock fights because they like to play that way, not like out of necessity, right? Like some teams turn games into rock fights because they are short on athleticism or skill, whereas San Diego State just likes to – they just like to play a physical matchup, attack the rim, and and, um, maybe get in your head with a little physicality. So my my thought – or my question to you is why would you be more into playing – the full game under than the first half under. I just 60 points doesn't seem like I I've been really high on first half unders. I, I mean, like I know to the point where almost every single game, this tournament I have taken a first half under and I probably will go that way here, but at, at minus minus one fifteen, the value is not jumping off the page for me. Um, and 60 points. I could just see, I just it's sixty a low number. It's a low number versus, you know, you're you're adding for the full, you know, full game total. If you're going with the first half under of sixty, that means you're giving them an additional seventy one and a half points in the second half. So the second half would be like seventy one. But based off of this, you know, projection, you're looking at seventy one points in the second half, which I don't think that number will hit in the second half. I think sixty could get close. I don't know if it gets there. I'll probably end up going first half under, but I'm a little bit more hesitant on this one than I am the full game under because you're giving them 71 and a half in the second half, um, which I think is is not going to happen. I don't think either team goes 
you know, that high in the second half. Um, so I, that's why I'm leaning there, but I, I probably will end up going first half under solely based on principle at this point. Well, um, judging based on our, our betting history, you usually pull a bait and switch. So you'll probably take the first half over. No, I think it's that often. No, not I, on the podcast either. I've stuck with all my picks I've given out on the podcast. That's true. Um, and all the ones that you've bait and switched on me were more lean, so they weren't actually official <laughs> picks. So I'll, I'll give you that. And I think you make a great point that the essentially the the market or the sports books are baking in the weird sight lines and the adjustment it'll both teams will need to make playing in a football stadium, right? Because. Yep. The first half under is, I guess, 10 points shorter than the implied second half total. So right. that's a good point. I mean, part of the reason why I bet the under here was because um, of that of that football stadium sightline adjustment and these and weird pretty empty, Pretty empty football stadium, too. It's not going to be you know, a sold-out crowd in the lower bowl the way that we've seen in Final Fours past. There will be some empty seats. So it, you're playing in a... A fair, not only are you playing in a football stadium, which I am a big proponent that these games should not be played in football stadiums. Like I get it. You want to sell tickets, whatever. I just think it looks bad. I don't think it adds to the product. And I think like what you're saying, it causes the game in that first half to be played differently. You know, playing in a football stadium, playing in a gym, even like Vanderbilt Memorial gym, it's built weird. The sight lines are different. You got to kind of figure that out. I think it takes away from the product a little bit playing in a football stadium. Um, and, and yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if both of these teams can adjust. I just wonder if Florida state will have an easier time doing so because there are a lot of, they run a lot. And so they don't score as much on jumpers and from beyond the arc uh, as much as they do in the paint and on layups and in transition where, you know, that sight line isn't necessarily as important. Um, but I, I I do think unders in this game are are profitable. Um, I mean, I, if I have to bite my tongue and you know sweat it out and I lose, like so be it. Good for Florida Atlantic because that's the only way that it's going to happen. Florida Atlantic is the one who's going to have to hit the overs here and force San Diego State to score because if San Diego State doesn't have to score, they don't. They slow it down. They keep it slow. I mean, they held Charleston to like 30% from the field. Furman was like 32%. Alabama, 32%. Even Creighton. I mean, I think they hit something like 41% from the field, but then they held them to like two of 19 or two of 15 from, from three-point range. So Dude, San Diego State's defense is is stifling. Get the, the Aztecs are holding opponents, NCAA tournament opponents, to 17% three-point shooting. Wow. Alabama I mean, and Creighton combined for five of 44. That's unbelievable. I mean, it really is. Like That's that's an incredible testament to the Aztecs and, and what that team is doing and what they've continued down. I mean, they've done this since the, the Must Bus days. Um, back when Nevada was, you know, Must was at Nevada, San Diego State used to just grind out those games when Must would try to run. Um, and, and so this has been a thing for a while, and they've stuck to it, and it worked. And they're getting vindicated because – 2020 that season was canceled they were pretty special that year um and they could have made a run like this and now it's you know kind of coming to fruition a couple years later yeah and they're one of the more experienced teams in yeah. the in the country i didn't know you were going to make that 2020 point so i don't know how many of the players 
um, on this year's team played on that year's uh, on I don't that either, team. Actually. But 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 they have the most experience among most of the NCAA tournament teams. Um, I do have to push back on you for one of your points, but agree with you on the other. Um, it's it's the Florida Atlantic shot profile. So they're 35th nationally in three-point attempt rate out of 363 programs. They okay. kind of live or die by the three. However, to your point, they also get out and transition a lot. So it's a lot of transition threes if if teams get back. We know San Diego State's going to get back defensively. Yep. And their opponents, according to Ken Palm, are 345th nationally in defense uh, in adjusted tempo. So wow. essentially, like, San Diego State stops you from pressing the ball really in the, in the backcourt, right? So <laughs> I don't think Florida Atlantic is going to get out in transition. San Diego State's defensive effective field goal shooting in transition is 20th. So hmm. <laughs> they're good at defending fast break offense and they're good at stopping it before it even starts. And both of these narratives obviously fit my bet here with San Diego State. I'm taking them on the money line minus 150. That's not fun, but we've seen them play close games. Um, two of their four games here in the NCAA tournament are close. I feel really strong about San Diego State, but I feel like Florida Atlantic can cash on a backdoor three-point shot. Um, I, I Maybe I'm just scarred from betting Gonzaga minus four against Kansas State, <laughs> but I'm like oddly confident in San Diego State to win this one, but I don't want to lay the points. So it's like I'd rather just eat the 40 cents of VIG and play him straight up. Um, yeah. And I think that I think that's fair. Yeah. So the last three opponents, and it's like San Diego State hasn't had like an easy path to the national championship, right? They beat the number one overall or to the final four. They beat the number one overall team in the country. And Alabama. Oh yeah. Like it was a seven point margin, but like San Diego State was really never sweating it in the second half. Nope. Um be Creighton and, and, and Furman, who's not one of the better teams in the country, but those teams and offensive efficiency, Alabama's 20th, Creighton 22nd, Furman 38th. So their defense is tested and, and proven. And they've gone under the total in 12 consecutive games, San Diego State. So I think because of the, the weird sight lines and the adjustment and like the butterflies these kids are going to have playing in a big game, I'm going to go under 16 and a half in the first half. You did make a lot of great points that don't make me feel good about it, but our editor no, I, already I, hit I, I publish on the bet. article and I have I the bet in my portfolio. <laughs> so one of us, I'm just, I'm just shooting everyone straight here. No, but like you explained how the books price in this stuff in the first half total. And that was really, really good. I, I appreciate that. Cause that's, that's an, a counterpoint that I didn't make in my just pro under first half, uh, write up. So I like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I do think I end, will end up, I've said it countless times already, this, this, this podcast, but I, I do think I will end up going first half under, I think this game comes down to, uh, I, I really do, think it comes down to matt bradley the the senior guard for san diego state he was 
kind of cold uh, against Alabama, and he didn't really do all that much against Creighton. He only had two points. He only had six points, I think, against Alabama. If he can really step up, and and Lamont Butler, who did step up against Creighton, if the two of them can get going, I think San Diego State could pull this game away um, by just stifling, you know, the Owls on defense, and then turning around and getting the ball. You know, if Bradley and Butler get hot together, then I think they could really pull away in this oppor- in this in this game. With that said, I mean, I've credit to Florida Atlantic. We pretty much everyone has counted them out. All season, um, even though they want, they only lost three games this year. They're one of the better teams in the tournament coming into this. Everyone keeps doubting them out. They could make us all look foolish and, you know, straight up win a national championship. I don't see that happening. I just don't. Yeah, they're plus six fifty right now. If you wanted to bet them to win the national championship, they have the fourth best odds among the final four teams. But to your point, um, with the conference tournament included, they won 31 games coming into the NCAA tournament. They're yep. they're ballers. They play a like a four man three point shooting guard lineup that's pretty tricky to defend for most teams. But I again, kind of beating a dead horse here. San Diego State has the personnel to match up with that. Um, Absolutely. And before we move on, I just want to give a shout out. So my Ole Miss Rebels were one of the three teams that beat Florida Atlantic. So Ole Miss didn't make the tournament this year, didn't make the NIT, but they are final four participants by transitive property. So shout out to Ole Miss. Yeah. Well, I'll shout out St. John's now for beating UConn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, the last note about the game itself, I do have a player prop here. I'm going to bounce off you. Um, The... uh, the, the bets are pretty even, um, at least according to, to, to Vison um, at, Dra- at DraftKings, the bets are pretty even, like 50-50, uh, both tickets and money. But the line opened San Diego State minus two. It, it feels like people are trying, uh, the sports books are trying to capitalize on the Florida Atlantic, like Cinderella story, and by making yep. this 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 number juicier. Um they're the Florida Atlantic juicier uh, number juicier is what I was what I meant. So I do think there's some sharp line moving towards San Diego state and maybe I'm being a bit of a chicken shit here, but I'd rather just play them straight up than lay the three points because I am nervous of that backdoor cover. Um, yeah. Player prop. Concern. Um, player prop that I got in here again, I, fully believe Florida Atlantic is going to live and die with the three pointer here. And part of the, uh, so I'm going under Florida Atlantic center, um, Vladizov golden eight and a half points. Um, the unders more pricey at minus minus one twenty. the starting big for San Diego state. Nathan Menza is the mountain West defensive player of the year. He has by far the best defensive rating of either team in this matchup. And Aztecs force their opponents to shoot contested threes. Like, in the NBA, the way you want to, like, kind of handicap three-point shooting defensively is you're going to, like, the better three-point defenses just force um, teams to shoot two-pointers, right? Because, like, in the NBA, all teams will get three-pointers if they got wide-open looks. So there's more of an emphasis of forcing 
them to not shoot threes or closing out on threes. Whereas in college, they're more, I don't know, down for these kids to chuck three-pointers. San Diego State actually forces teams into taking bad three-pointers. So I just don't think Golden is going to get a lot of looks here. He scored 14 points in Can- against Kansas State in the Elite Eight. But Kansas State's front court defense is whack. Like, he didn't really have anyone to worry about. No one is in in Nathan Menza's league defensively on San Diego or on Kansas State. His other three tournament games, he scored three, eight, or six, eight, and three points. So I think um, Menza's gonna uh, is just gonna lock up the paint. I think San Diego State's gonna keep all the 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 ball handlers in front of them and force them to shoot long contested twos or threes. So I just think this guy is gonna be. Um, a victim of, of a low a low usage rate, essentially. Yeah, and, and I think, too, the other thing is Mensa gets a lot of uh, opposing bigs in foul trouble. And Golden was in foul trouble a little bit against Kansas State. Sure, like you can call it the freaking, you know, Vlad Golden game or whatever because he had, was the team's leading rebounder. Actually, he was the game's leading rebounder. But Kansas State doesn't really rebound. Like, that, that wasn't their game. That's not what they do. Their, their front court isn't particularly big. Like they have a couple of guys who are, you know, 6'10-ish, but the, even Iola and, and Colbert, both of the guys who are 6'10", don't really play that much. They run a lot of, you know, forwards, uh, like three three forwards, two guard sets, uh, where Keontae Johnson was kind of the big man. Masood was kind of the big man. Um, and sure, like Golden had a, a solid game against Kansas State. Absolutely, credit to him. He was a big factor in that win that got Florida Atlantic to the final four. That being said, the, what, what you just said, he hasn't met anyone like Mensa all year. I mean, the, the only other team actually, no, I take that back. Even North Texas who, who won the NIT and is a, a gritty kind of grinder team. They don't really have anyone that challenged him in that, in that space. And when you look at FAU's schedule throughout the year, even into the tournament, he hasn't faced a legitimate big man. And now Mensa may not be a quote-unquote big man, you know, 6'10", 230, whatever, like forward. You know, you're not calling him a traditional big necessarily. Huge um, wingspan. He's a, yeah, and he's a bully. He just He's just a bully. And I think he's going to really lock up Golden um, early, and I think he's going to force Golden to make some stupid mistakes maybe get into foul trouble, in which case you, Golden will have to sit some, they'll have to go small. And that under is interesting because you're right. He hasn't really done much in the tournament outside of that Kansas State game where he didn't have anyone challenging him. So I, I think that's definitely an interesting bet. Yeah, I mean, San Diego State, I think Brian Dutcher like, commands his team to attack the basket. Yep. And again, going in long, along the same logic of just turning it into a rock fight, maybe getting them into foul trouble, taking them off their game. They even attacked uh Ryan Kalkbrenner last week against um then the Elite Eight against against Creighton and he's the big East defensive player of the year. Uh Golden right. doesn't have nearly de- the defensive chops. He's, you know, more of a seven foot stiff defensively. Uh brings he's more so stiff. Brings more to the table offensively. So um and they only shot 13 three-pointers San Diego State did last last week. So I think they're just going to attack Golden and, yeah, possibly get him into foul trouble. That's that's actually a good point that I didn't even bake into my analysis. So thanks for the yeah, help on that Mensa's one. Mensa's just a bully. 
that's what he does. He's just a bully down there in the paint. I mean, he's only he's got three inches. Golden has three inches on Mensa, but Mensa's only ten pounds lighter. You know, so he's down there just packed full of beef, and he's just going to box out and, and bully Golden throughout the game, which will set up then San Diego State's perimeter. Yeah, and like basketball is a game of matchups and exploiting matchups, and and when you have four guards that can shoot the ball you're probably less likely to throw the ball into your center who's yep. going against the best defensive player possibly in the tournament. One of one of uh, a top 10 defensive player in the tournament, I would say pretty comfortably. So, um, yeah, I'm going with San Diego State, money line minus 150, putting, trying to win a half unit on that, trying to win a half unit on the um, under 16 and a half first half, and then I'm going to put a quarter unit on under eight and a half points for the Florida Atlantic big. Let's go so over. I, real, real quick before yeah. we move on, as we're talking, the San Diego state line remains minus three, but it just dropped to minus one Oh five. So if you're going to go with the spread in this game, I know you're not, I don't think I'm going to either, but minus three at one Oh five, the book is, is begging you to take that. If it's still available by the time y'all pull it up on DraftKings. Um, Minus three one hundred five is is decent value there for a game. I mean, I know Jeff, you said that you're worried about like a lack second backdoor cover. I'm more so worried about Florida Atlantic just keeping it close throughout the entire game. But minus three one hundred five because Florida Atlantic might have to foul down the stretch. You could squeak out four or five point win there for the Aztecs, uh, based just solely off of late game free throws at minus one hundred five. Not a, not a bad play. Uh, yeah. And Decent value there. It seems like I don't know if it's sharp money. I, I'd assume it's not square money betting Florida Atlantic, but now there's starting to yeah. be some buyback on the Owls, so that makes me a little nervous about my pick. But I don't know. You can't read too much into the market analysis because none none of us really know what's what's causing these line movements. Um, so either either way, I'm going to stick with my my plays here. Let's go over to the the second matchup, um, which has the two much more recognizable national nationally recognizable programs, Miami versus UConn. Uh, UConn's number one in Ken Palm. They're number one in Bart Torvik. They've been a top 10 team, according to those college basketball nerds for most of the year. Ken Palm has UConn winning by seven points. Um, DraftKings has UConn favored five and a half. The over under is one forty nine. I didn't want to bet Miami, but after looking at the matchup, I couldn't find a reason to bet UConn. I, I, that's not true. I points the, or or money line? No, no, no. I bet I took the points with Miami. I took five and a half. Um, UConn is they've won their four NCAA tournament games by an average of twenty two and a half points, covered the spread by an average of seventeen and a half. So, ignore what I just said about can't find a reason to bet UConn. That's the reason. It's because they're smacking people. But, and I, I I bet them heavy against Gonzaga, cash on that one. That was just a terrible, terrible matchup for Gonzaga. I also believe St. Mary's, their round of 32 victim, is overrated. That's part of the analysis of, like, betting against Gonzaga. It's because, you know, they're both WCC teams, and it's like, well, they clubbed St. Mary's and St. Mary's beat Gonzaga once this year. And UConn just 
made mince meat of, of the Bulldogs. And then Arkansas. Everyone loves Eric Musselman. He takes his shirt off, flexes, but like the A couldn't shoot and B were really, really small. So UConn just destroyed them. Um, Miami's shooting, I think, travels. I think it's world class. I know we were both, I'm, I'm nervous about the weird sight lines, and that's definitely cause for concern. But I think if any team can overcome that, it's going to be Miami, who's 14th in the country in true, true shooting rate. They are nasty inside the arc, nasty from behind the arc, and nasty at the free throw line. They just hit their jumpers, hit hit all their shots. Um, so I, I I like Miami plus the points here. What are you, what are your thoughts coming into this game? I think the best value of the tournament here is Miami plus one ninety money line. Um, I, I think that's Maybe. the best value of the final four. I have plus two hundred five at our sponsored book um DraftKings. Interesting. I have 190 on DraftKings right now. Ooh. Um yeah, so it, I guess that line is moving a little bit. But I think I think that's the best value. So if the listeners out there are looking for a chance to make some money, um y- you might miss, you know, you UConn could win this game and probably should win this game. Um sure. but if you're looking for the best value, I think plus 190 is the best value. That being said, um, I, I, Miami has more guards than Shawshank, as as John Rothstein likes to say. Um, <laughs> Good man. Yeah, it's great. I love John Rothstein, and I love his Rothsteinisms. But I just wonder if, because I, I think Sonogo is the most NBA-ready player in the country outside of Brandon Miller, who is going to be an absolute baller. But that's a conversation for a number, another day. I think Sonogo is awesome. The question is, can UConn get going without if Sonogo doesn't and I think that answer is yes um I, I think the player to watch here and I don't know if this is a hot take or a spicy take or if it's elsewhere or nowhere I don't know um but I think the player to watch here is Donovan Klingen the center the seven foot I think he's seven two um he doesn't start. seven foot seven one no but he doesn't but it's weird He's going to be really important off of the bench in this game because Miami doesn't have anyone close to seven foot. Um, if I'm not mistaken, let me see. Efforting, 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 efforting. <laughs> Biggest guy, six nine, Anthony Walker and AJ Casey. Yeah, uh, but the of those who actually score, Omir. Yeah, here we go. Omir is six seven. So you're looking at a, just a total mismatch in the paint. So I think if Klingon can get going. UConn could really roll here. Um, but I think, like you said, Miami shooting travels. They have proven that they can, you know, score. They have proven that it doesn't matter who's guarding them. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter what a deficit might look like in the first half. I mean, Drake gave them trouble in the first half. They were down five at halftime against Drake, one of the better defensive teams in the country, one of the sneakier mid-majors in the country. That was a great game. It was a great matchup for Drake. Miami still pulled it out in the second half because they ran, they pushed, they you know wiggled, they went up and under, all of that stuff. Indiana the same. I mean, Indiana was right there in it, and then they pulled. Miami pulled away in the second half. Houston not as much. I mean, Miami really dominated that game start to finish. But even Texas, like Miami, was down eight at halftime, and then came out and, and outscored Texas fifty-one to thirty-six in the second half. 
they can score. They know how to score. It's what they do. I think five and a half is a pretty big number for a final four. Um, just, you know, regardless of matchup, regardless of who's playing, um, I think five and a half is a lot of points. How do, we feel said, about the, how do we feel about the coaching matchup? Because I give Jim Laranega the, um, the advantage in this one. And I'll, I, coming into the tournament, it seemed like everyone's biggest concern with UConn was Dan Hurley. And, yeah, and I, I didn't totally understand that. Okay. Because because Dan Hurley, like, he's a good coach. I mean, yeah, they UConn got bounced last year in the, the first round, and I think even the year before, which was his, his first year. Um, but that was the COVID year. Like, the season was short. It wasn't a full year. So I won't even count, you know, year one for him. Um, or actually, I guess that was, what, year three? For he's him? in year he over 2018. He's in year five uh, at UConn. Yeah, yeah. So then year three was the the first year in the Big East is what I was thinking. Um, Dan Hurley's like, he's he's a good coach. But yeah, I, I, I do give the nod to, to Laranaga, Laranaga um, in this instance because he's just he's just been around longer. You know, he's been through this. And I, I you like, just explained it too. They were down by what eight at exactly. halftime against Drake. They were down by, I think you said five against Texas in the halftime. Yeah, he's proven down. he down, can five, down five to Drake, down eight gotcha. to Texas. Sorry, yeah. thank you. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for that. Um, and he made second half adjustments. Exactly, and and he pushed and he relied on his seniors. And this team is built. I mean, it's built on name, image, and likeness. And John Ruiz, you know, you can ride that narrative to the grave. That is absolutely true, 100%. Miami has built a large part of its roster through the transfer portal, through name, image, and likeness opportunities. And, I mean, Isaiah Wong being the, you know, kind of the poster child for one of the guys who didn't do that. You know, he has been with Miami all four years. He is not one of the guys that they brought in, like Nigel Pack, and and uh, I'm blanking on the other guy they brought in there in the offseason, but with a big – you know, pretty solid paycheck from Jordan Miller, from John Ruiz. Yes. Um, All right, wait, this Isaiah, is his second year there, but he's a, he's a fifth. But year same team. idea. It was, it was a John Ruiz purchase. Um, if we're calling it how it is, you know, you, he went to George Mason and, and bought him. Isaiah Wong is not that guy. Isaiah Wong has been there. He's a four year, you know, I think he's classified as a junior, but he, you know, he's a fourth year guy. He's been with the program the whole time. He's been playing with Laranaga and he's been kind of cold this tournament. Um, well, not, I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. He was cold against Drake and he was cold against Texas. Who are we talking now about? Isaiah Wong. Okay. Yeah. This is now his opportunity as a fourth year guy. I don't know if he comes back. I don't know if he goes pro. I don't know what his plans are, but as a fourth year, fourth year guy as the best player in the ACC, one of the better players in the country, this is his opportunity to step up and say, Hey, we're here. Hey, I'm here. Hey, look at me. Like I am a leader. I am a, Senior, I've been with this program from the jump. I've been playing with this coach from the jump. We have this connection. We have this uh, chemistry, if you will. Um, let's let's see what you can do, Isaiah Wong. You know, keep it close. Five and a half points. I th- I think is a lot of points for a Final Four matchup. Yeah, I'm in agreement. And I also, my other angle that I'm working here in this handicap is one of the biggest criticisms I have about college basketball is the inconsistent officiating and just how, yeah. like, just how random it gets. 
And Get it loud for the people in the back. <laughs> the Hurricanes should absolutely win the free throw battle this weekend. Um, UConn is 319th out of 363 programs in defensive free throw attempt rate. So mm. maybe it's defensive aggressiveness or getting out of position, but they foul way too much. Miami is 15th in free throw percentage. Isaiah Wong is 22 of 24 in the NCAA tournament from the free throw line. Um, if this is an Isaiah Wong game and he's aggressive and it needs to be, and and I think he will, he's going to convert his freebies. Um, the uh, Miami, on the other hand, 18th in defensive free throw attempt rate. The Huskies are 210th offensively, and. I just seen too many of these college basketball games won and lost at the free throw line, and and Miami figuring to have a lot more free throw attempts goes a long way, especially when the other team has to win by six or more points. So, yeah, and, and, and I know I'm 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 pushing Miami plus five and a half, and I'm saying that there is value in Miami's money line. I do think UConn is going to win this game. I think the Miami is miles and miles better than Iona, which UConn, you know, put sleep in the first round. They're so much better than Iona. However, the matchup plays pretty similarly. And like I said, you know, Klingon, I think it's going to be a crucial piece to this puzzle where he played – I want to say he's like second most amount of minutes of the tournament. Yeah, he did. Second most amount of minutes in the tournament thus far against Iona, where Iona was running a small lineup. They don't have that big guy. Klingon's going to be really crucial in this game. So for me, I think this, and and this is the weirdest comparison, weirdest thing I'm probably going to say this, this entire episode Love it. this is the isaiah Clip wong it. versus Klingon game um obviously the two don't, ma- don't match up together they're not gonna be playing against each other but if if miami's gonna win this game i'm isaiah wong has to play out of his mind as we know he can do and if yukon's gonna win this game i think Klingon needs to step up and just dominate the paint alongside sonogo that's fair yeah i i i it's weird that Klingon doesn't start. Maybe I'm just an old school he's, basketball he's guy. Young. Fair enough. I mean, I'm just an old school basketball guy, but it's like, if you have a pretty athletic, beefy seven foot two guy on your team, maybe, maybe start him. Put him in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but Hey, they're number one in Ken Palm. They don't have to listen to me. So That's F true. me they're, apparently. They're doing uh, something right. The final, yeah, exactly. The, my final thought on on this matchup, or the reason why I like Miami plus the points, is four of Miami's seven losses have been by either one or two points this year. Hmm. Um, they're nine and two against the spread as an underdog with a plus six point one ATS margin. Hmm. They're only like real bad loss. Uh, they lost to Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech sucks. That's kind of embarrassing um maryland was pretty shitty too well maryland was their one really bad loss losing to losing by seven in the acc tourney to duke isn't that bad in my opinion it was it was a tough matchup for them and whatever they just didn't have it that day um but I, i their offense is just nasty and i think their their shot making ability and 
Um, the free throw line discrepancy keeps them in this game. I mean, dude, they scored 85 against Indiana, 89 against Houston, 88 against Texas. More I like the five and a half. Yeah, and if it's like it's not a public play right now, 60% of the money, 61% of the bets are on UConn, so it's like got a little bit of fade the public angle there. Um, you know, if everyone was betting Miami – I'd be like, oh no, I don't want to join the, I don't want to join the, uh, follow the herd into a slaughter. So I'm taking Miami plus five and a half. The only player prop I'm looking towards, I, I'm not going to make an official, is I'm going to go under um, 10 and a half points for the UConn point guard, Tristan Newton. Hmm. He's went under this number in 23 of his 39 basketball games this season. He's also got the lowest usage rate, um, I believe, of all the UConn starters. Um, He also has the lowest, excuse me, has the lowest offensive rating of all the UConn starters. He's seemingly like a traditional point guard, right? He likes to get other people involved, and I just don't think he's going to take a lot of shots in this one. So yeah. I'm on Tristan Newton here uh, with a lean towards uh, the the uh, under eight, or excuse me, under 11.5 points scored. Interesting. I don't, so I don't know if it's just Tennessee or what. We don't do player props uh, in, in the state of Tennessee, um, but <laughs> if there is another one that I would throw out there, Completely blind. I don't know the number. I'm just throwing it out there Pull because I'm riding you. this high. Klingon over points. Klingon is – he's not even listed. What? Oh, well. That's stupid. <laughs> there went that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would probably put it at six and a half. Um, yeah, in which case I would go over, but it doesn't seem like that's even an option. So forget that I just said that. And I was also looking at Norchad O'Meara, uh, the six foot seven big for Miami, going under his eleven and a half points just because I think he's gonna have his hands full with uh, Adamo Sonoga. and it's just for like, sure dude, will. we have the guards in the shooting. You focus on defense. You're not getting yeah. the ball. He's gonna have no to. Kidding. He's he's not gonna have plays written for. Uh, uh, called for him. He's going to have to get putbacks, which isn't going to be easy against Klingon and Sonogo. So it's kind of like fend for yourself, dude. And I don't see him cashing over 11 and a half points. And I think I said a couple different numbers for Tristan Newton. His official point prop is 10 and a half unders at minus 130. That's the way I'm looking. But it's again, it's just mm-hmm. a lean. Um, real quick, though, who do you got winning these games? Even though we already talked about it, who do you got winning the national championship? Oh, it's so chalky, and I I don't think it's fun at all. I'm rooting for chaos, just as as I said, it's college basketball, college football, college sports sicko. I'm rooting for utter chaos. I think FAU Miami would be an unbelievable matchup uh, in the in the the national championship. I think the two of them would just score so many points. It would be back and forth, shot for shot. That said, I, I don't know how San Diego State doesn't beat. FAU. I've run this situation so many times in my head. Sure, FAU could get really, really hot from beyond the arc. Um, San Diego State has proven that it doesn't allow other teams to do that and has proven it even more so in the NCAA tournament as recently as last weekend with Creighton. So I don't see how San Diego State loses. Um, Again, 
it's March. Well, I guess tomorrow's April. Saturday's April. Um, <laughs> April so, Fool's Day. Yeah. So so maybe maybe April Fool's jokes on us, and it's you know FAU Miami. But I, I think UConn and San Diego State are the two better teams here. Which reminds me of that 2011 Sweet 16 matchup where it was Kawhi versus Shabazz Napier, um, and UConn won by like six or seven or something like that. Um, but that was a pretty fun game back in in 2011, I think it was. Uh, actually, that was out that was out by you in in Anaheim, if I remember correctly. Um, but anyway, I, I think it's UConn San Diego State in the final, and I'm gonna give. I mean, ugh, it's so chalky and gross, but UConn to me was one of the better. I don't know how they're a four seed. I, I've been questioning that since the jump. Um, you know, I guess you're finishing fourth in the Big East. That's the reason why. But, yeah, yeah. They they UConn lost is, six of seven and early in in Big East play and yeah, but like Marquette and it's early in Big East play. Xavier was very good. Providence was good. You know, St. John's was decent. Seton Hall it. was good. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't well, like I they mean, were bad losses. Me and you've uh, talked a lot about this uh, offline, or you know, not in a podcast, but like Big e- the Big East is just criminally underrated. It, re- yes. it really is. So it's yeah, especially this year. Yeah. So that's what it was like. Um, Creighton had really Creighton had no business being a six seed. That was bullshit. No, you know, but then at the same time, Marquette probably didn't have any business being a two seed. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're the big East champion, I, again, like I'm a big, yeah. like big East truther. And it's like, well, like what, what fat could you cut into their, or what cut out of their resume going into the tournament? I don't, I'd argue not met and not, not much. Right. Like, yeah, I think touche. they earned the two seed, the two seed. Touche. Touche. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go super chalky and super lame here. I'm gonna go UConn beats San Diego State in the final. And I, I would love to see another big game from Klingon in, in the final. He his best game of the season actually came against Marquette uh back in early to mid January and Marquette of all the teams that UConn has played this year, I think is probably the closest comparison to San Diego state. I don't think it's a fair comparison and I'm not trying to compare San Diego state to Marquette by any stretch of imagination um, because they are two different teams and San Diego state's really in a league of its own in terms of defense and how they slow the game down and how they just bully people Um and turn it into a rock fight, as we've said countless times this this hour. Um, but Klingon, I think Klingon is going to have a little breakout here over the next couple of games. Um, I, I don't know why. I just feel that way, and I, I'm riding the high here. I'm going to go UConn over San Diego State, even though that's boring, and I am rooting for Florida Atlantic. Actually, as someone from Connecticut, I would love if UConn wins the whole thing. I've been a UConn fan for life. I, you know, Hashim to beat Juwan Blair at the XL Center back in 2008 or whatever the hell it was. It was one of my favorite games I've ever been to. Um, but Florida Atlantic Miami would be more fun, a lot of points scored. I, I think it'll be UConn over San Diego State. Yeah, I'm mostly in agreement. I'm probably just going to take San Diego so State. Boring. To, yeah, I'm going to take San Diego State to differ. I don't know. I just it, it, it feels like a wonky year. I like their toughness. Um, I like how they force teams to play their style. Um, I love the value at four to one. Um, yeah, entering the final four, and 
Um, yeah, just like I like their experience and their toughness. So I'll take them. I'll take what's his face to win most um, outstanding player of the Final Four. I'll go. I'll go Lamont Butler. I think Lamont Butler uh, has a strong Final Four and wins most outstanding player. These aren't bets. These are just picks. So I don't know. Any thoughts on most outstanding player? Or we were at a bounce. No, I want to think on it for just. Like, I'm going to give myself a five count here. <laughs> uh, Let's I'm see. Gonna if go, I can... I'm going to go something different. I'm not going to go Klingon, <laughs> even though I really want to go Klingon. Yeah, I mean, um, his point prop go Jordan, isn't even I'm listed. Go Jordan Hawkins, because I think they're going to shut down Sonogo, or they're going to, tr- obviously, de- teams are going to try to shut down Sonogo. Uh, whether they're su- next, successful or not is yet to be seen. But that's that's going to be the key when you play UConn, which I think opens a lane for Jordan Hawkins to break out. Um, so I'm going to go. The winner of UConn-Miami wins the entire thing. And whether it, if it's UConn that, that advances, Jordan Hawkins is the most outstanding player. If it's Miami that advances, I'm going Isaiah Wong. Good stuff. All right, where can people follow your your content? Oh, yeah. I love to plug myself. At GSUNJW on Twitter is where you're going to find, you know, the best the best version of me, if you will. <laughs> Dude, I love Twitter version of you. Yeah, it's um, I'm a big dumb idiot, and I love it. Dude, I've just been complaining about the NBA for the last four months on Twitter. That's pretty much <laughs> outside of my outkick bets handicaps. It's pretty much me whining about the NBA and how terrible and their load product management. is. <laughs> yeah, or buttload <laughs> management, as I call it. Um, all right. Well, hey, best of luck to you guys. Shoot us uh, some love on social media. Leave Outkick Bets a nice podcast review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, I will be back next week to talk maybe some NBA, but definitely the Masters. Peace out.